Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursdays at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm Kevin Carr. And this is Double Take. We're talking a classic conjunction here. We love this. Taking the present, going to the past. Yeah. We're talking half a century of influence. I know. Isn't it kind of crazy? The Exorcist has wow. turned 50. Wow. I, and now we have... The Exorcist Believer. Right. believer not right. Believer. It yeah. has nothing to do with Justin Bieber. <laughs> a bunch of stuff that comes in between. It's probably not worth it. I just want to mention that perhaps later on I can tell you that I saw uh, The Pope's Exorcist. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. You haven't seen it. I have. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, good. So we can chat a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. I have that. mixed feelings right. about yeah. that one. And yeah. I do, too. Yeah. So that's good. All right. But we do have Exorcist Believer. Mm-hmm. It's been getting mixed reviews as far as I can tell. There's some good reviews. As more reviews rolled out, I would say it went from mixed down to bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's like something like 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I know that's not a reliable standard it's It's an up and down rating yeah right i i get a feel for it i look at imdb i get Mm -hmm. a feel for it yeah i can see what the critics are i can see what the audience is so for me uh, you see everything (laughs) for me i don't want to see everything and so i need something to start with yeah i I need somebody to say well it is worth watching or it isn't and that's what's good about criticism exorcist the believer it's the exorcist the exorcist Colon believer. believer, right? Or they could just call it like they did with the Halloween franchise and just call it Exorcist all over again. You know. Well, I have to disclose to you. Yeah, I'm a Georgetown grad. Okay, and I used to court on the big steps that are that don't appear anymore. Yeah, uh, not in this film, but in the earlier one, the mm-hmm. one in Georgetown down on M Street. Yeah. And so, and I'm heavily influenced by my Catholic background. Okay, this one of the reasons I just grab onto this to You're- do it primed fruit for the picking. Oh, I really am, movie. yeah. And so a- everything that happens in these movies is, is meaningful for me. Yeah. Now, how about you? You're not in any way related. I'm not related yeah. in any way to Georgetown or... Uh, but this isn't. This one doesn't even no, take place. It I takes place exactly. in Georgia. <laughs> in a Georgia town, That's but right. not Georgetown. <laughs> and, and weirdly enough, it also kind of jettisons all of the Catholic stuff a lot of, in a lot of now, ways. Kev, you know, I'm wondering if that isn't a weakness of it. Well... My general opinion of this movie is it tries some neat things. Yes. And I don't think it, any of them really land. And, and one of them is jettisoning all of the, uh, all the Catholic rituals and foundations to that. And that's not me, you know, pitching for the Catholic Church. I'm not, I'm not here to represent the Vatican. No. But, but then they kind of open it up and they say, which is true, most cultures and religions have yes. some sort of demon vanquishing type of yes. rituals. And so that's kind of a neat approach, but then it just turns into this weird hodgepodge. Well, of it. all right, one of the one of the weaknesses of the movie. Yeah. And actually I enjoyed it, but one of the weaknesses is having Anne Dowd perform the exorcism. Yeah, it, but she's it, a, she's a civilian, maybe even yeah. a nurse or whatever. Well, and then they bring in this like the southern preacher from a Protestant religion and he's doing and then just I'm sorry, it just with the accent, it just sounds cheesy at that point. I, I get the idea of trying to expand it outside of yeah, a communal experience. Yeah. And I've always said it's weird with movies because Hollywood is very secular <laughs> nowadays. It used to not be, but it is now. Until you have an exorcism movie, and then everyone finds Jesus. <laughs> 
But there's a huge difference between Father Marin and Father Karras in oh. that room with Reagan McNeil doing the incantations. Oh. And this ragtag group of people from... <laughs> yes. A bunch of things kind of just throwing stuff against the wall, and it seems almost made up. It's sort of like when you're a kid and you're like, let's build a car. And, and, and of course, you don't get anywhere near a car because you don't know how it works, and you're not sophisticated enough to make it happen. (laughs) One of the things I liked about this, actually, is that I thought that there was more about the victims than yeah. we had in the original. We, original, we have Linda Blair, whatever, da-da-da, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and this one, you have the two, the teenage girls. Yeah, there's and, two of them. That's the other thing they do that's different. They bring yeah, in two yeah, possessed. Yeah. And I thought that there was more consideration of them as teens mm-hmm. so that you could make the figurative jump between what was happening here and actually as teenagers, I, I like to make the comment that yeah. uh, you can't understand teenagers anyway. Well, yeah. they, they're doing all the jargon. What's the difference? Right. Yeah, These yeah. kids come back. Yeah. They're possessed. Well, and it's a different way of looking at it through the 2023 lens and the 1970s. Yes, 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 yeah. And when you go back to how they put together, how they approached Reagan, Reagan was just a victim in the first Yes. So, I mean, she was this sweet, nice, cute little, like, 12-year-old girl. There was no problems with her at all, and she loved her mom, and she was okay with her parents being divorced. I mean, she was kind of this this paper doll in a lot of ways, and then all this stuff, crazy stuff happens to her, and you're you're meant to empathize with her, for kind of having the perfect life. And that's a very 70s and 80s and kind of like pre-millennial look at horror where you have somebody who's living a perfect life and and they've done nothing wrong and something horrible comes after them and that's sort of where the terror comes in. Whereas like if you compare it to like Evil Dead, where Evil Dead, the original one's just a bunch of kids going to a cabin in the woods, they've really done nothing wrong and this horrible stuff happens, whereas the new Evil Dead... There, it's, it's a broken family with a lot of problems and angst, and that manif- helps manifest it. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a different way of doing it in a modern age. Yeah, and I, I like Leslie Odom's role, the he dad. Was, yeah. um, I, I like the fact that he kind of stands back. He's not a believer, Yeah. Uh, but his daughter is missing. He needs help from other people, and he knows where to go for the friends and the, the ultra-Catholic family, yeah. that, uh, father and mother. And I kind of, I kind of like the way, perhaps if he's our surrogate, he's kind of standing back, trying to understand what's happening, and he doesn't want to believe. But he, I mean, when you see some of this stuff, how could you not, yeah, somewhat believe? Well, and that's kind of the that's the transformation that Chris McNeil goes through in the original movie, because she starts off not really being particularly religious, and then it, it, she exhausts every avenue of. Of, uh, of 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 medical and psychiatric science, and there's that wonderful scene where she's saying to to to, to Father Karras, "You tell me that an exorcism would I've, I've, I I have nothing else to do," and she's at a breaking point, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that was so good. I don't think they hit on it as well with this one, but they mirrored that progression, which in a lot of ways this movie does follow the arc of the original. Because it's this thing happens and these girls and then there's this sort of slow descent and then they start looking into an exorcism, but it's done in a very different way. So I respect that. I just don't think it it, it, it made it happen properly. No, and I think much less philosophy, much less religion in this. Well, naturally, mm-hmm. the church has disavowed it anyway. They won't allow the priests 
Oh, so yeah. You do the exorcism. So we're, we're really, as I think you were pointing out earlier, we're really getting the Catholic Church out of this and giving it to the masses for them to take care of it because they're not going to allow their priests to face it. Well, back in the early 70s, or, or I forget when, I think the exorcist, the original so, book was in the 60s. Okay, yeah. You know, before that, exorcism was kind of a fringe thing. Nobody really knew what it was. And this brought it to popular light. Well, it's been around for 50 years, so everyone's like, can we get an exorcism? And it's it's... It's him, the character of Leslie Odom's character, approaching this in a very different world than uh, Chris McNeil, which was uh, Alan Burson in the first film. They're in very different worlds where the accessibility is very different. Yeah, and um, I just just like the fact that in separating themselves from the church, they begin to take responsibility, for instance, for their relationship with their teens. Yeah. And it, it begins to be a, as much a commentary about the difficulty of modern life with teenagers who are going to be almost like they're controlled by or possessed by some kind of an evil spirit. And, and so metaphorically, it works for me. It works better yeah, for me here. Sure. But that you are right. That one in 1973 now, I was old enough to thoroughly enjoy yeah. that one. And we made it a pilgrimage to go to see The, the Exorcist. Yeah. And Kevin, it was Powerful. It still is. And, and I, I 50 years couple, later. A couple weeks Yes. Ago, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is. What is freaking do on that that nobody can seem to get near? Well, part of it is, and this is a freaking thing, is a slow burn. It's In The Sorcerer, is the same way. It starts out very mundane, and, and it builds and builds and builds, and, but the sense of dread's always there. The other thing is, is it works on multiple levels. It's, when, when I was a kid, you know, when I was a teenager and I saw it, I, I identified with Reagan and, and, the, and the trouble she went through. Now I identify with the mother because the frustration and panic when you something's obviously wrong with your child and you cannot get an answer is is soul crushing. And I imagine well and, and I think when I was a younger man I kind of identified with Father Karras and then I'm sure at some point when I'm old I'm going <laughs> I'm getting there. But you know, in about twenty years I'll probably watch it again and identify with Father Marin at the end of his career. And you know, that's a great point. Uh, when I was growing up, of course, we were much more independent. Mm. We led lives that were not controlled by helicopter parents. Now, in, as you're looking at how carefully parents try to watch their kids, and I don't blame them. There's so much danger out there, and there's so much freedom for kids in the sense of what they can be relative to social media and so on and to each other. I, I think it's a dangerous world out there. There wasn't quite so when I was growing up. It was, it was always, there's always danger out there. What it is is there's more avenues to get to your kids. It used to be you just be like, don't talk to strangers. Well, now it's don't talk to strangers online. Don't talk to people who you think you I know. know yes. There's a lot of that. And then on the flip side, it's so much easier to track your kids yes. nowadays. Yeah. You, you, there's apps that'll track them and all that kind of thing. And that's why when they lose track of them for three days in this new movie, that's harrowing for them because that's, that's, that's very yeah, that's hard right. to do nowadays. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I'm like, you can't invite me here and not expect an exorcist history dump in the middle of the whole thing. Kevin, I'm dying to ask you your opinion of the Pope's exorcist starring <laughs> that guy who will star in anything who is an Academy Award winner, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. <laughs> you, you, give, you give him an expense account at the, at the local deli, and you're going to get... <laughs> oh, 
my well, God. And I say that from one fat guy to another. <laughs> well, you know? I know, and you're, you're open about it. And he's bigger than you in this. Well, it looks he's to big. me. I mean, oh, the robes. You're right. The, the robes, robes are, are not boy, flattering. I'm looking him. at that thing, and he really has put on weight. Yeah. But well, that's okay. I, I, I respect that. I respect any actor or actress who can put on some weight and still get the gravitas <laughs> performances. And I can tell you, I don't know how to analyze why I just so much enjoy his performances. And perhaps it's because I think he really enjoys messing around like this. He does. He does. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he's his days of doing the, 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 the hardcore deep dive into characters are over. I think now he's just making some money and having some fun. <laughs> Getting a trip to Italy, that kind of stuff. So how does that hold up now against all these other exorcists? Well, yeah. <laughs> here's the thing. It's impossible to do a movie that's about exorcism or with the exorcist in the title or a sequel to the exorcist even more without comparing it to the original. The it granddaddy is. of all, the Boy, exorcist. Boy, and you know you are so right. It just overshadows Everything. Yeah. 50 years. It's like it's impossible to do a shark movie and not compare it to Jaws. Yes. It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, you good. cannot. Yes. And I know there's people listening to the, who are Jaws and The Exorcist, which came out two years apart, were ye- years or decades before they were born. And, and, and But you still know it. They're, they're that iconic. It's like making a Wizard of Oz remake without comparing it to the one from 1939, even though that thing was made 80 years ago. So, or 84 years ago. But but this is, um, The Pope's Exorcist, I've, I have very mixed feelings about it because it, it does some things I thought were interesting. I liked Russell Crowe's performance. I, I like the idea, but, and I mentioned this on the show, nowadays... The trend. There's a couple modern trends you see that, when not when not done particularly well, that they become very annoying. The first one is a. It used to be you'd have picture perfect families and picture perfect people that bad things would happen to in a horror movie, and that was the terror that you could be living a perfect, very up upfront life, and evil will still get you. In modern day, there's there's a lot of stuff where. The horror is a manifestation of the angst and problems and the issues that everybody has in their life that even if they're not on the surface, they exist. And so they do that with this family. This family's fighting. The, 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 the daughter's a pain in the keister. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I'm like, I don't need all this negativity to start this. It's supposed to get bad. I don't want this negativity. So that bothers me. <laughs> and it figures with your comment about uh, the mother in Exorcist. Uh-huh. And then you've got the mother here who looks like she's got it ten times worse with this, the, her daughter, prime suspect for being possessed. There is that tension to family and to the single mom motif which is brought into this movie that I really appreciated. One of the things I liked about Russell Crowe's depiction of the Pope's exorcist is just that subtle sense of humor that he brings. The silliness he <laughs> yes. does when he's in the Vatican. I think That stuff I liked. I really I liked, liked that it too. Stuff. I did too. I wish there was more of the Pope's exorcist than the Pope's exorcist. Somehow, I really love when they go down into the catacombs. Well, and, here, and here's one of the problems I had with that. And another modern trend is this quote-unquote naturalistic lighting. It's where they don't oh, actually light the stuff. I know. And they put people, and they light everyone from behind. So all you see is silhouettes. Oh, you are so right. And when we talked about the exorcist believer, you got somebody like Leslie Odom, 
who he, he's he's an African American guy. Yeah. So he's he's got dark skin, and they're backlighting, and you can't see any of his emotion. The poor guy's acting his guts out, yeah. and you can't see anything. And then, God forbid, you go to a theater that's not properly oh, projecting, and you can't. End. There's there's a scene in the Pope's Exorcist where they open up a hole in a wall, and they look in there and they see something. I couldn't tell what was in there. No, I couldn't until I saw it on video. Uh, I, I got it on, on Blu-ray to review, oh. and I watched the digital version, and I'm like, oh, oh it would have okay. been nice to be okay. able to see that in the theaters. But even then, this naturalistic lighting impedes your ability to see it, and it's become very trendy, and it is it, it becomes a black hole when you're in a place that doesn't properly project. I've had a pretty good experience with some of the chain, AMC chain or, or Lennox. I've had, with their light, I, I, I've... I will not. Yeah, and I, I, right. I, I will not. I will not confirm nor deny. I don't want. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, slag on anybody. Yeah, but, I, but those. But others. I have smaller theaters. Um, that, it's it's not just small. It's chains. Yeah, Ch- some chains do it, and it depends on the theater. Yeah. And, and some of them are just saving bulbs. <laughs> well, and they are. But all that's doing is making people not want to. They, they they're running a business for people who don't want to see a movie in theaters at this point. And I understand they make now TV sets and so on that can adjust this kind of thing so they do it for sound and i imagine for lighting well they do it for but you have people like like uh you know christopher nolan and steven spielberg film is great you got to see it in the theater well they have private screening rooms that are calibrated perfectly (laughs) of course it's going to look good but not if you're going to go see like a 3 p.m matinee at some theater in columbus ohio so we're mixed about pope's exorcist it's actually on netflix i think no i think yeah, I think it is on Netflix, okay. yeah. Anyway, right uh, it, it, if you're kind of interested in the exorcism business, I think of the sequel types that have come after uh, 1973. This is not a bad one. It's an interesting approach. Yes. I, like I said, I, it's, there, it's very hard to make an exorcist. <laughs> well, you know, and the, here's the bottom line. When it comes to an exorcist movie, they always, and I think I said this because we talked about The Nun too a couple yes, right, weeks ago, right. they always go too big. They make it about the special effects. Oh, you are and, again. And, yeah. And it's not that The Exorcist, the original, didn't have special effects because the last 20 minutes is bonkers of that movie. <laughs> but it builds to that. And then at the very end, it's really just about these two guys trying to save a girl. For me, less is better. Mm-hmm. And it is always in the mind. And yeah. for a Catholic boy, the idea of evil incarnate is a tr- very, very attractive thought. Yeah. Uh, I can, and I think this is one of the reasons that the Exorcist movies work, is that it, it finally puts into the flesh something that we've had only from the nuns as, <laughs> as to evil. Now yeah. I can see, I can see evil. Yeah. I can see it's there. And Kevin, my question to you is: Do you believe exorc- Do you believe possession, demonic possession? I'm not going to subscribe, uh, prescribe to any specific religion. Yeah, no, but no. I will say I think there are things greater than what we know. Yeah, and we do not have the sum total of knowledge. So I, I approach anything with an open. Yeah, I do too. And when I think about the parallels with Christ in the desert and being tempted by the devil, mm-hmm. and uh, knowing that the, the, one of the ways that I can take the Bible is, uh, metaphorically, uh, is the power of evil in human nature. Now, I, I believe most of this is because of free will. Well, yeah, I, th- I think there's one of the problems when you start getting into is there evil, is there demons, yes, is there right. the devil, and everything like that, it gives a chance for people to externalize their own exactly. demons. And a lot of stuff, and there's a great scene in the original Exorcist 
Well, Father Karras says to uh, Chris McNeil, he's like, she's like, how do I get an exorcism? He goes, build a time machine and go back 500 years because the church really doesn't do that since they've learned about mental illness and that sort of thing. That's right. There's a lot of stuff blamed on some sort of external force influencing you. And I think in a lot of ways, people take that as a cop, but especially, especially in modern evangelical Christianity. Okay. I think that happens a lot. And one of the reasons I like Pope's exorcist was that he constantly mentions that that there are psychological yeah. reasons here. That's a good thing about it because he's like he doesn't just go stampeding yeah. towards an exorcist. Yes, right. All right. So I think we've done a job looking at both uh, the exorcist believer mm-hmm. and the Pope's exorcist. And I don't know, Kev. I'm probably going to go to the next exorcist iteration. I- I'll always give an Exorcist movie a chance, even though I know I'm setting myself up for failure. <laughs>